rule, which is yes and. So if you're on stage in improv, you can never not do what the other person's doing. You have to build on it. And I often think that's how you get to great work. Hi, I'm Darren Woolley, founder and CEO of Trinity P3 Marketing Management Consultancy, and welcome to Managing Marketing, a weekly podcast where we discuss the issues and opportunities facing marketing, media, and advertising with industry thought leaders and practitioners. Today, I'm sitting down with someone whose LinkedIn profile shares his one, two DNAD black pencils and 70 Khan Lion Awards for Creativity. Until last year, he was also the Regional Creative Officer for Omnicom's creative powerhouse DDB across Australia and New Zealand, and before that, the Executive Creative Director for Saatchi and Saatchi in Australia, and before that, the Group ECD for TBWA Hunt Lacaris in South Africa. So for someone who's so well-credentialed creatively, you can imagine my surprise when I read a post he shared on LinkedIn that raised the question, what the fuck is creativity anyway? To answer that question and discuss the issue of creativity and more, please welcome to Managing Marketing, Damon Stapleton, Chief Creative Officer of The Monkeys and Accenture Song New Zealand, and the author of a fabulous blog, Damon's Brain. Welcome, Damon. Thank you very much. That's a very nice welcome. Thank you, Darren. (laughs) Well, look, all I'm doing is uh, is repeating the facts, you know, and it's an impressive uh, impressive credentials. Interesting from my perspective because DNAD black pencils are considered, you know, the unicorns of advertising creativity, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's um, – I've written about this, but um, I never ever thought I'd win one. I th- in South Africa, it was sort of seen as impossible to do, so um, – I feel very lucky to have worked with some incredible creatives to to do it twice in my career, and um, a lot of the kudos has to go to them. And maybe I was just in the right place at the right time. But um, uh, yeah, that's it's pretty special um, to to win those. Well, look, um, that is the type of humility that you only get from people that are really, really talented. So, look, I have to say that uh, the fact that you've been part of that process, even the luck of being in the right place in the right time twice has to say <laughs> something about you because I think we actually create luck, don't we? Um, well, I think what's interesting about agencies is um, I think it's about creating the right conditions um, and the really good agencies because it's quite an interesting question. Why are some agencies better than other agencies? Um, they tend to have the same ingredients. A, a lot of it is you create the right environment for creativity to happen. And I think that's actually almost the most important thing you can do as, as an ECD um, is you create space uh, for, for those ideas to happen and no one feels stupid if they say something. Um, and that is almost step one. Yeah, creating that safe environment, you know, because uh, the creative process is actually quite personal and quite revealing, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, clients often say, don't take this personally, but... Um, it's quite hard not to take it personally because you've probably worked on it for weeks. And and I think understanding that um, and giving creatives that space uh, allows them to fail uh, in a more gentle way. And often you have to fail to get somewhere new. So 
it's 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 kind of you know you can't have creativity without vulnerability it's it's almost impossible so you have to create that space for people to be vulnerable and that's where new ideas come from yeah in your article you talk about a, a marketer asking that question you know what what the <laughs> fuck is uh, creativity anyway yep. and it's a terrific article one of the things i loved about it was the fact that you used very few examples of advertising to actually demonstrate creativity. Mm. You, you, you used you know, lots of other sources of creativity. And I think that was so important because sometimes I think advertising can become a bit navel-gazing, can't it, on this topic? Yeah, I mean, I did that for a reason. Um, I wanted to show that the principles of creativity, uh, you know, or the, the ideas that that are out there it's not just about advertising creativity is a real thing that can solve problems i think half the problem with advertising is you only use creativity for half of what it can actually do um i think creativity is a much more powerful force um than we actually allow it to be uh and one of the reasons i've moved to uh accenture song is because i think creativity can be a much bigger thing than it is in in our business but to your question about navel-gazing, I think, yes, advertising can be very um, uh, self-congratulatory self might be one word, but also it, it looks at itself. And I think great ideas don't just reside in advertising. So what I was trying to say is that, you know, creativity is a much bigger space um, and we kind of put labels on it to, to make it seem smaller than it actually is. Yeah, well, you know, because one of the things I always laugh at is when I get the agency tour as a pitch consultant, you know, and they go, this is the creative department. And I said, so that means all these other people aren't, you know, seriously? Because some of the best strategists I've worked with are creative. Some of the best account people are creative. Best agencies in the world are all, every department cares about the work. That's, I mean, that for me, you know, I think Steve Jobs had a great quote, which is, you can teach anybody. You can teach people anything except to care. And the really great agencies, everybody cares. And you know, if you if you have that, you'll do great work. Yeah. Um, so you know, one of the great creative leaders of the industry, Dan Wyden, passed away recently, and and I was reflecting on one of his quotes because mm. you know one of the things that people talked about about Wyden Kennedy and, and still talk about is mm. their ability to embrace chaos. And he said, "Chaos is the only thing that honestly wants you to grow. The only friend that um, really helps you be creative." And I love that idea of chaos because I feel like we've probably lost sight of that in trying to turn advertising into traditional businesses, haven't we? Yeah, well, I mean, I actually wrote about that and it's quite funny you say that because he actually spoke about it. I saw him about 2015, 2016, and somebody asked him what his formula for creativity was. And he basically said, fuck off. Um, there's no formula for chaos. and yeah. And, 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 but it's, it's, you know, the guy was a genius. Um, but what he understood was you cannot get someone new by having a formula. You can't do something that's going to surprise the world by having a formula that's foolproof. He understood that our job is to go and embrace chaos, to go to places that you're not supposed to go. Otherwise, you know, and 
I always say this, uh, creativity is not the matrix. It's the glitch in the matrix. And that is essentially what the value of creativity is. It is to find new places, new ways, new spaces. If you take that away from creativity, then it does just become the coloring in department, you know, as we often are called, or, you know, the decorative, we're decorative. But the real value of creativity is how you can transform something and create something new out of nothing. Um, so he understood that better than just about anybody. Yeah. And, and it's interesting as well because, you know, it, I feel sometimes that in trying to, you know, explain or, or you know, process mm. uh, the advertising, you know, process, and, and I see this, you know, um, agencies presenting a chart in their credentials where they talk about their advertising process. You know, you just said that uh, Dan Wyden said there's no formula. I just wonder sometimes as to why they talk about a process, you know, where, and here's the bit where the creativity happens, mm. as if it's sort of isolated to one particular point. <laughs> yeah, it's been, um, it's like quarantine. <laughs> um, it's been well, isolated. But I, I think that the reason that's done is it makes everybody feel safe and secure. Um, the real truth is who knows where ideas come from. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to – it's such an ir- irrational thing that I think we constantly try and make it rational because that is a way to sell. But the reality is great ideas are – uh, they happen in a, a million different ways. You've just got to have the right people in the right environment and you've got more chance of hitting them. But, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's um, creativity is not uh, something that can be defined. That's yeah. the point. Though, though, you know, really smart people can see it when they're shown yeah. it, can't they? Well, I think really great... Um, people and agencies and really great clients, except that uh, it, it, it happens in maybe a slightly strange way, but they can spot an idea. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's the really great creative directors that I've worked with and the really great clients that I've worked with can see an idea. And when that happens, you know, that's when it all comes together. So I think sometimes it's getting out of the way, but then being able to see the, the result rather than the process. Trinity P3. Now, look, I know this is going to be a difficult question because, uh, you know, you've, you have yep. won lots of creative awards and, and other advertising awards, but do you think somehow that the structure of the advertising award process also limits the recognition of the role creativity plays? And, and I specifically I'm talking about the fact that it's so discipline or executionally driven you know it's Mm. about the media channel rather than really the idea yeah it's an interesting question um i mean the one thing i do think is there's probably too many awards um so i I, i'll put that out there um i think the other thing i'd say is that um it's very hard to have a finite award for something that's infinite and what I mean by that is, you know, when Ken started in 1992, I think there were two categories. There was print and there was television. Um, today, I think there are 30 or 40 categories. And 
how you actually award work now is actually quite difficult because the lines have become so blurred between categories. You know, is that a, a mobile idea? Is that a media idea? Is that a digital idea? Is that a direct idea? Are they all the same? Um, so there's a, I think there's a problem with definition because I think almost everything now is advertising. And when everything's advertising, how do you, how do you sort of break it apart? So I think that's going to be a question as we go forward as to how, how we define advertising and, and what's good and what isn't and, and, and looking at things like channels. Um, I think that no one really has paid maybe as much attention as they should have to maybe how much advertising's changed in the last 10 years. And I yeah. think it's changed incredibly, you know, I think about when I started, an integrated campaign was TV, radio, and print. <laughs> you know, you, you think what an integrated campaign is today, and you could have 10 channels, 15 channels. Um, it's a much more complicated beast. And, um, and I don't think we always look at that and say how much advertising has actually changed. Yeah. I mean, my frustration is that, uh, you know, ideas, to your point, are, are limitless, as in, you know, the application, in fact, the, the stronger the idea, the more applications it will invariably have. One of the measures of, a, of a, a, a creative platform or an idea without boundaries is that it can be applied to all sorts of channels. And yet I think the, the awards the seem thing, to be focused on that. I'd, I'd say one thing about that, though, Darren. I think it's, it's, there's good and bad in that. Um, it, it's what I call Swiss Army knife ideas. And, and what I mean by that is you can have this platform that goes everywhere it doesn't always necessarily mean it's going to be interesting or entertaining. So no. if you look at, say, and I'm going to show my age here, if you look at Cadbury Gorilla in 2006, that was a great piece of work. But no one was saying, well, what's the six-second bumper ad? Um, <laughs> so so you, you, you or made... Or the poster. <laughs> yeah, or the poster. So you made something that was not everywhere, it was somewhere. Yeah. Often what we do today is we try and make an idea that goes everywhere. And I think maybe we should have more conversations about, A, should it go everywhere? And if it does go everywhere, is that still as efficient and effective as doing something that's going to really get your attention? Those are, you know, philosophical debates, I know. But it is something I've noticed no, no, over I'm... the last 10 years where um, advertising used to or often was like a showstopper. Now it's something that's it's more of a utility and it's a much more useful thing. But does that make the idea as cut through? Well, and, and so I'll challenge you on that uh, example because I actually think that uh, Cabri Gorilla is uh, the, the underlying idea is the sheer joy of the product. Yep. You know, and, and so then that can become the part that extends into all sorts of executions. Well, I, you know, I that's work... what I love about it. So, you know, it, on on that bigger idea, because again, the gorilla is an execution in a channel of that sort of thought or platform. Yeah, Joy. I mean, I launched Joyville in 2012 in in Australia. The, yeah. the, the thing I would say is that Joy was always the platform, but they could never really replicate gorilla. No. Um, and there's actually other ideas they did afterwards that never quite got there. So sometimes you just have lightning in a bottle. You know, sometimes you just have something that just 
for a certain reason, for a certain moment in time, it just works. And often what happens is in our business, we go, we want another one of those. And <laughs> it's a very hard thing to replicate. And, and one of the defaults is that a bigger idea, you know, that's a great big idea. Can we have mm. a bigger idea? It invariably comes with a bigger budget and it's not necessarily <laughs> the bigger idea. It's just a bigger production. Yeah, I mean, who is it? Was it Winston Churchill who said, we don't have, the money, we don't have any money, so we'll have to think. Yes. Um, <laughs> and I think, uh, I, I mean, I don't think big ideas always have to have big budgets. Uh, but I do think these days with the proliferation of channels, uh, it becomes a very important question when you think about the type of idea you're trying to have. Um, you know, I think when you're just trying to do television or you're just trying to do one channel, it's, it is a much easier game to play. I think mm-hmm. if you're trying to do a very comprehensive integrated campaign these days, you have to think very carefully about how this idea is going to work and, and how, how it's all going to join up. And Damon, what do you think of an approach for awards where you actually do it by advertiser category so that you actually, you know, do things like consumer packaged goods or financial services rather than by the the actual channel discipline or execution? Because there are particular challenges, aren't there, to being particularly creative, innovative in some channels, uh, some categories over others. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's a difficult question to answer because, you know, what is a – I don't know if there's a perfect way to do it. I, I, what I would say, though, is that there is advertising that maybe 10 or 15 years ago was top of the pile and now is not. So there's whole categories for me that have disappeared and are not particularly creative anymore. Um, mm. And, you know, there's a lot of brand – you know, if you look at gaming or if you look at technology – um, if you look at can now, there are things that win uh, now that didn't win 10 years ago. And there's stuff that 10 years ago was very, very successful, but you don't see it anymore. Um, I think of car advertising. Um, you know, car advertising used to be the gold standard of of the kind of work that, that would win at can. But I, I would say car advertising now is not uh, – you don't see it very much at can. So – there's there's a question, I guess, in terms of uh, category, and I suppose there's also a question about maybe some things are just easier to advertise now in a modern world uh, than you could do 10 years ago, which probably mm-hmm. would have lent towards television or, or something like that. So it's interesting you picked uh, automotive because mm-hmm. of all categories – could you pick one that's going through more of a disruption? You know, probably not yeah. since Henry Ford's Model T rolled off the production line has yeah. the auto industry been confronted with, you know, a bigger challenge and a bigger disruption than they are now. And I would so say that the, the advertising work, should reflect that. Yeah, I mean, you think about what's happening with, you know, uh, EVs and stuff like that. It feels like the category is ripe to do something pretty outrageous. Um, and and do something that's going to get you noticed because the product has definitely changed. Um, but I don't know if the advertising has yet. You know, it's still car on a winding road or, you know, family getting into car on a winding road. You know, mm. there's there's a lot of advertising that looks very similar. I, I think it's an opportunity. Yeah, to go around and pick all those categories that, as you say, have really fallen into the formula. 
of their yeah. category and start disrupting it. Yeah, but it takes, you know, you, you, it takes a certain amount of bravery to do that. And, you know, I can imagine that's quite a scary thing to do. I mean, at my time at TBWA, they used to practice disruption. Um, I, I just think if you want to get noticed, you have to not do what your competitor's doing. Um, or or you've, got, you've got to have such a, a difference in your product. And I think that's maybe... These days, I don't know how much difference there is in products. Mm. Um, so, you know, I think your tone and your advertising becomes more important. Well, that becomes the thing that can create the difference, at least the perception difference, if not yeah. the, uh, the tangible difference. Yeah. Yeah. Trinity P3. Hey, um, how long have you been writing uh, Damon's Brain for? I've been writing it for 10 years and had about 250,000 people read it. And, um, yeah, yeah, I think it started off as therapy for me. Uh, (laughs) um, I just wanted to see if anyone else – because what I found when I started writing it is that there were lots of people that were not creative that were writing about being creative. And I just thought maybe I should write about it and see if anyone agrees. Um, and it was pretty, um, it was pretty cathartic for me, but also I started to, you know, I've built up a little bit of a community of creatives around the world. And it's, what's amazing is how similar we have, we have the same problems. doesn't matter if you're in London or New York or Minneapolis, you know, the, the, the emails I get are always about the same kinds of things. And, um, I guess it was just an exploration into what I think creativity is and, um, it now it's just become sort of a, a habit, I guess. I don't know what I'd do if I didn't write it. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, it's one of those uh, blogs that you start reading and then you find something else. That, you know, I, I, I lost hours the other day just oh. uh, reading it. I have to say that... That makes me very happy, in- Darren. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyone that's interested... You know, yeah, truly interested in the sort of discipline, and there is a discipline to, first of all, to writing, but also, you know, the way that you that you talk about and share the the creative experience is really insightful, and I, you know, I'd highly recommend it to yeah. to anyone interested in that. I suppose it's you know, all creatives sort of suffer from imposter syndrome on some level, and I suppose I started writing it because I was made. I was made ECD of Huntless Scorus when I was about 31 years old. Um, and that was a 400-person agency. And um, wow. I was probably that was probably about five years too early. <laughs> I really didn't know what I was doing. And it was, I suppose the blog was about me trying to figure out and explain the process that I've been through um, to to kind of develop into a creative and, and hopefully it helps other creatives. So that's why I always say for the creatives um, because I know it can be very lonely late at night staring at a blank paste, a piece of paper or a, a screen. And, you know, until you've done that, um, it's, it, it, there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear doing this as a job. So that's kind of why I do it, I guess. Well, I was also thinking of it from the point of view of um, marketers that really want to understand what goes on in that process because I think somewhere along the line, agencies started treating creative people, you know, 
a little bit differently in regard or position them differently in regards to their clients. You know, it's like, oh, we're bringing the the creatives to this meeting. Isn't that special? Clap, clap, clap. When in actual fact, you know, the truth is, yes, uh, they are people. You know, creative people are people. What they do is they're willing to put themselves out there to solve a problem, you know, and they're you know, willing to do those hard yards. Yeah, I, I think, mean, you know, sharing that, sharing that and at least getting an appreciation of some of the challenges and things like that would be so insightful for a lot of marketers to understand. Yeah, I mean, I, it's, it's a weird one. I mean, creatives, you know, sure, I think, I think often there's a fear that they'll say something inappropriate or make a, a, a joke in bad taste or I don't know but hopefully thing about, hopefully <laughs> but what creatives do is they're you know they're sort of they're honest about the problem yeah and I think the really great agencies are when suits strategists creatives work together um, it shouldn't be an us and them thing I've never believed that I've never believed that you know creatives have all the answers but when you walk in that room and you're with the client, they should feel that those different perspectives are working, you know, working together. But when you don't have creatives in the room, I don't think that's necessarily better because what it doesn't, without them, you know, you want to challenge the thinking. You want to ask difficult questions. You want to talk about stuff that isn't a hundred percent or doesn't quite work or doesn't make sense. Um, you need creatives. And um, I think, uh, you know, I've worked with my partner, Justin. We've worked together for eight or nine years. We don't always agree, but, you know, when we when we tackle a problem, it's because we're trying to solve it. And I think creatives, you know, I, there's all sorts of weird ideas about creatives. Creatives are just trying to solve a problem or come up with an idea. That's all they're trying to do. Um, but sometimes the process gets in the way of them presenting uh, those ideas because, you know, maybe they're too dangerous or maybe they're wrong. And I, I almost, I, I read about this thing in Silicon Valley uh, where there's this rule where if you have an idea, you have to talk it up for five minutes. You're not allowed to bomb the idea. Mm. And I've always thought it was a great thing where um, I've got this saying, which is ideas are like goldfish, easy to kill. And, I often think the really great agencies keep their ideas alive for 10 more seconds. You know, they're able to go in the room and, and put some crazy stuff out there, but they can keep that idea alive because that's where the great stuff is. The great mm. stuff's in the deep water. You have to go there. You can't, you can't fake it, but it's scary. And, you know, I think the one thing we probably don't talk enough about in our business also is trust. And I don't mean that in a, a bumper sticker kind of way is that, you know, you do need to develop a relationship to do really great work because it doesn't happen just because I walked in a room with a little, you know, idea. Um, uh, And I think that's even more true today because the campaigns we're doing are far more complex. Yeah. It's, um, I always say to people, it's trust and respect. I mean, and it goes both ways. What you were saying before about talking up an idea reminded me of Edward de Bono's book, I Am Right, You Are Wrong, which I love (laughs) the title. Mm. Um, And he talks about the difference between rock thinking and water thinking. And the West is rock thinking. You know, the idea is put on the table and everyone gets their rock out and bashes it to see if they can break it. 
Mm. Um, you know, it came back, it started with Socrates and Plato, so that's why it's seen as a Western philosophy, whereas mm. the Eastern philosophy they call water thinking, which is mm. the idea is like the drop of water and the role is to add to it so mm. that that uh, drop turns into a, a trickle which turns into a, a, a brook and then a river and then an ocean because that's mm. what makes it more powerful. Mm. Uh, I, I think it's a really interesting approach because so often you see uh, ideas get killed because someone just happens to have a big rock in the room. Well, I think the the problem with the with let's call it as you call it rock thinking is that's not how great ideas happen. The way great ideas happen, um, my old boss used to say, yeah, the ceiling of one idea is the floor of the next, mm-hmm. and I've always thought that was a great way of explaining it. Well, there's a there's a quote by Paul Klee, which is he's a great artist, which is. Um, a line is a dot that went for a walk. And uh, what I love about that is you need to have some ideas, some bad ideas even, to get somewhere great. So if you're in a space where one idea, you know, it's like improv. If you think of improv, they've got a rule which is yes and. So if you're on stage in improv, you you can never not do what the other person's doing. You have to build on it. And... I often think that's how you get to great, um, great work, but it's not really natural in the corporate environment to work that way because what you're doing is you're always judging things if they're mm. right or wrong. But sometimes, you know, great ideas, it's not really about right or wrong. It's, it's just about sitting in that process um, and, and seeing where it goes. Um, but that can be scary for people. Trinity P3. So it's interesting because uh, there was a, a client that we were, they were complaining about their agency's creative output. Mm-hmm. And what they would do is that the, they had this hierarchy that the junior brand managers would brief the agency and, and put them through iterations of work. And then, you know, time would run out and it would go to the next level, which was the marketing manager who would look at what's done and then rebrief the agency. And, and then it would go to the next level till finally the CMO would look at everything and sometimes, you know, dozens of ideas and then go, I want a bit of that, a bit of that and a bit of that <laughs> and I want it by Monday. Mm. Um, and, and we pointed out, first of all, the average number of iterations, this is average, was 17, 17 mm. different creative ideas to every brief. Yeah. But we also pointed out the amount of time and money they were wasting and they said, oh, yeah, the same. I said, doesn't matter, that's how I get the best ideas. I'm thinking they're a little deluded as to what the best idea is. The best idea, well, um, I think that's the worst way you can work. Um, Exactly. When you've got hierarchy like that, what essentially happens is we just try to get all of your suggestions on one page. And, uh, you know, I was once asked to do a a 15-second ad um, and with, uh, I think there were 16 products. So you now have to show 16 products in 15 seconds. And everyone looked at me like that was a perfectly rational thing to do. Well, if I show you the ad we made, it, it wasn't that rational, you know, because it, it's just crazy. And I think in the process that you're talking about, that's what happens. You know, the junior marketing manager has two ideas and this guy's got an idea, yeah. this guy's got an idea, and then the CMO's got this idea. All you're really doing is trying to find a way to jam all of those ideas together. It doesn't mean it's going to be great work. Um, the best way to do it would be actually, 
and I don't know if this has ever been tried, is to sit around a table and chat to each other. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Gee. It, yeah, I know. It's, it's, it's crazy, right? Because then, then it becomes a, a human process and it, it becomes a much more organic process. When you're doing these very formal presentations backwards and forwards, um, it's like marking yeah. homework. And if you've got a little bit of an idea, it's probably going to get killed. It's probably going to die. So, you know, what I would, I would highly recommend is sit down, have a chat. I know yeah. we have to write things and we have to write briefs and that, but the really great work is when you can have a, a conversation and go, do you think this is right or wrong? Or do you think this is interesting? Maybe is a better way of saying it. And, and if you can have that conversation, you've got a much better chance than, oh, um, you know, on the 19th of February, the debrief said these 19 things, you, you know, you've only done 16 of them, um, blah, blah, blah. That, that's not a process for creativity. That's a process for being correct. Um, but correct and interesting are not always the same thing. Yeah. One of the um, one of the things I find myself talking a lot to uh, clients about is this idea, and I use, the again, the automotive industry. The automotive industry spends a lot of time, money, and resources getting the prototype built. Yeah. You know? And yep. then they, they really optimise the production line to produce the, the automobile to the standard, to the quality, but in the shortest possible time and in the variation. And I'm wondering if advertising is headed the same way because, you know, when we started back in 2004, 2005, the average brand would produce around 200 pieces of work a year. Now with social media and the like, it's producing two to 3,000 pieces of work a year. See, and I I didn't, just, I, yeah, I didn't know so, that. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it's it, it, uh, it's it's uh, exponentially increased. Mm. You know, you think about all those Facebook updates and and Instagram updates and digital ads and all that sort of thing. You know, it's just it's it's exponentially increased. At the same time, the budgets being spent with agencies have effectively flatlined, and the timeline to turn all this work around is shortened. You know, yeah. the, the back in two thousand, the early two thousands, the typical campaign development would be six to eight weeks minimum. Mm-hmm. You know, before you even got into production, yeah. uh, there was there were you know campaigns that would take six months or more to actually from briefing to to on air or in market. Sure. So so all of these challenges have occurred. I'm just you know, is it time to rethink the role so that we put more investment in getting the real value, which is the thinking, the idea. And then, you know, because people talk about efficiencies, mm-hmm. um, the efficiency should be in the part where it, it's going to have the least, the biggest benefit with the least amount of, um, of downside. I suppose what it comes down to is what is good these yeah. days. Um, and maybe good has changed. Maybe good is about you know, if you've gone from making 200 pieces to 2,000 pieces, that you can't tell me that, you know, we're still on the same planet. Things have changed. So I guess the question, what is the definition of good um, or great? And, you know, when I look at a lot of uh, work that's made um, for, you know, for online consumption, for me a lot of it looks like 1950s print ads. 
Yeah. You know, it's like a guy holding a beer and, and a headline that says, yay, it's Friday. And you go, so is that good? Is that, you know, is that innovative? Could we be doing better work in those channels? Probably. But if you have to make a thousand pieces of content, maybe, maybe not. Um, and I, I think there's a big discussion in terms of what, what does good look like these days? Um, because mm-hmm. it seems to me a lot of the conversations about how do you make a lot of content? Um, maybe we should have more question, conversations about making great content. But that's me as a creative. You know, from a marketer's perspective, they might go, that's not really that important. Um, you know, maybe there are other things that are more important. But it is a discussion worth having because I think um, if you're doing that, you probably find your competitor can do exactly what you're doing. That's right, you know. And and there is an industry, you know, um, there's an industry sense that uh, the work generally, and and I don't want to be, uh, I don't want you to label me as someone saying that advertising is dead. I'm not saying it's dead. But there's definitely a sense that people are looking for how can we do this better rather than just keep doing what we're always doing and getting worse results. I I think, you know, that's that quote about insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different outcome. Yeah. Yeah. I think the question is what is advertising? And, you know, I went to Cannes this year and I came away going, well, advertising is now everything. You know, uh, what's a Gordon Ramsay cook show? That's an advert. It's just half an hour long. Um, You know, entertainment, gaming. So I think the real conversation is if you look at advertising today, um, how do you cut through? And how do you do it in a way that um, you can do for your budget? And, you know, I still come back to the fact that you need an idea. Um, I don't think that's going to change. You can have as many channels as you like. Uh, you know, there's a great quote by The Economist, which is, would you sit next to you at a dinner party? And, <laughs> and, and I've, always, I've always loved that because you can be in the right place at the right time, you know, contextually. But if you've got nothing yeah. to say and you're not interesting, you know, I think Ogilvy said you can't bore people into buying your product. And... Uh, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, you still have to be interesting. And maybe these days you have to be more interesting than ever. But I, I, I don't know if volume alone solves that problem. Yeah. Trinity P3. Yeah, we live in interesting times, as they say. You know, I think uh, perhaps if uh, we put a brief out to the creative uh, the, the creative industries to say, how do we do this better? That yeah. might be a worthwhile exercise. Having said that, though, I do think there's also a conversation that we need to probably have about, you know, how has our industry changed in the last 50 or 60 years? And, you know, if the world is changing, maybe that's a conversation we have to look at. You, you have to look at data, creativity, and technology now. You can't, you know, you can't hanker for the 1990s. You know, the, the world has changed. Yeah. So there is a job that has to be done by advertising agencies in the industry to go, okay, what is this brave new world and, and what are we going to do with it? Um, there's some new ingredients here. 
Um, but I think what used to be the cutting edge, you know, advertising used to be the cutting edge. Uh, I guess the question is, is advertising still the cutting edge? Mm. Look, I think that's happening a lot. Unfortunately, the new thing that everyone's talking about is the technology. And the technology alone is just the enabler. And when they do talk about creativity, it always gets talked about in isolation about awards and ideas and things. But it's that combination. You know, one of my favourite interviews was... And of the, his name escapes me. He was at Pixar, you know, the um, mm, mm. the uh, director and animator mm. that went from Disney to Pixar. Mm. You know, when you can get a creative person and a technology person sitting in a room talking to each other the same language, then suddenly, you know, it's in that chaos in a way that you suddenly start getting new opportunities and new ideas. Yeah. It's the ability of the creative person to ask the, you know, what some people would say is the dumb question and the technology person to be inspired to try something different that actually leads to that innovation, isn't it? I, I think you've got to have a fusion of data's not an idea, technology is not an idea, right? Uh, you know, and, you know, Neither is creativity for that matter. Um, but I think it's when you fuse them together uh, that you can create something new. One of the reasons I've done what I've done is because I want to go and learn about how to pull these things together because I think these ingredients are not going away. You know, I don't think data is going to go away. I don't think technology is going to go away. But I also don't think you can use those two without creativity. So, you know, you got to make friends. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> and we got to get together and figure out how to pull these things together because I think when you do, you could truly make a quantum leap uh, and you could start to make work that we've never seen before. And I think you know, as a creative, I always want to do something new. I always want to do something that hasn't been done. Um, so that's kind of why I'm doing what I'm doing. Well, Damon, this has been a, a terrific. Uh, opportunity. Thank you for letting me climb inside Damon's brain for uh, <laughs> for thirty. What is it? Thirty five, forty minutes. Uh, I've really enjoyed the conversation. Thank you so much. Thanks, Darren. Thanks a lot, man. Uh, I do have one question before we go, and that is, yeah, you know, obviously you'll be seeing that the opportunities ahead of you. But when you look back on your career, is there one piece of work that you almost feel like could become your epitaph? Mm-hmm.